The Bible reading this morning is from 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defence, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. Good morning, everyone. How are you going? Good to see you here. And um, yeah, for those who don't know me, my name is Joel. And uh, yeah, really my privilege to be able to lead us this morning as we finish up our series on 2 Timothy. Um, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been sort of had this theme of discipling through difficult days or discipling in difficult days and, and looking at some of Paul's words to Timothy and and I think one of the things that's been like I've been thinking about is like, how does Paul do it? Like this is a guy, he's cold, he's in a dungeon, you know, <clears throat> he's facing like the end of his life and yet he's like just still writing out all these letters, still encouraging, he's still getting in front of like the Roman judge and preaching, he's in front of the emperor and he's sharing his testimony. Like, he's staying strong in the faith. Like, even the words that we read, like, where he like, um, they say, I'm, <clears throat> I'm being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. Like, everyone's abandoned me. And yet, he's just still focused on the gospel. Like, does anyone else go, like, that's a bit crazy. Like, I don't think I could do that. I don't think, you know, if, so, if I was in a similar situation, I don't know how I would go with that. Or is that just me? Everyone else has like got faith sorted. No? All right, similar boat. All right, cool. Just making sure we're awake and you're with me. Um, and so I'm like, how, how does he do it? And I think there's a bit of a key for us in, like the, in verses 16 to 18, and that's where we're going to sort of focus in on this morning. And there's this beautiful line where Paul says, I don't know if you picked it up, where he says, No one came to stand by me. All deserted me. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. And I'm just like, that is like, oh, I loved that. When I read that, I was like, bang, that's it. Like, he's literally 
before the emperor in Rome, in prison, facing his trial. No one comes to support him. No one comes to sort of say, actually, this guy's all right. He's doing good things. Like, everyone deserts him. All the people he's done ministry. I mean, this is a guy who's ministered to hundreds, probably thousands of people. Everyone abandons him. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. And he was able to continue on and share the gospel. And so I think that's one of the key things that really I just want to encourage us with this morning, that the Lord stands by us and he strengthens us. And before we, we get too into it, I wanted to do something a little bit different. Now, it's a bit risky. I don't know how it's going to go. So um, it's not a bribe, but anyone who decides to speak up <laughs> gets a free coffee voucher. All right? It's not a bribe. It's just a reward for doing something good. Um, it doesn't work at any other cafe. Um, I mean, you could try. I don't know if it will work. But it will certainly work here before church. Um, but I was just wondering, are we having no, no haters? Hands up for heater. All right. No heater. Sorry, John. <laughs> good, good. That was a very quick democratic work. Well done. Um, so I was wondering, does anyone have a similar testimony to that? Who can in like 30 seconds just say, you know what, I went through this struggle, everyone abandoned me, but God did whatever, whatever he did. You know, I was unemployed, God provided, and he did this. Does anyone have anything similar? And what's a share very quick? It doesn't have to be long, don't have to go into details, but... Does anyone want to share something? And Sab's going to whip around the mic and with the non-bribe coffees. Anyone? Just chuck your hand up. Awesome. Uh, six years ago, Andrew was re- made redundant, uh, lost two jobs in, two, in a year, um, since then, we haven't suffered at all financially. Um, he's really seen us through and provided for us. Yeah, awesome. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, very similar to Helen and Andrew. Um, Probably just over 12 months ago when, um, um, yeah, my job changed again for the umpteen time and I really had no idea which way it was going to go um, and through circumstances the current job I had was offered to me. It was not what I would normally have accepted or gone after uh, but here I am a year later and you know, life's just the best it's ever been um, from so many different perspectives and uh, it's not something I would have said I planned at all Mm. Um, and truly it's been God's work and even continuing day to day has just been a testament to his provision. So, yeah. If you don't drink coffee, you can just get here early and give it to someone else. It's a great way to be a blessing. Um, 
when I was a child, I felt like I had no one and there was my family had deserted me and um, felt very alone. Um, but God was always there, even though I actually really didn't know about him um, the way I do today. He was always poking at me and standing by me and strengthening me and to today. So, yeah. Awesome. Being far away from my whole family, where I come from a very big family, um, coming here, I just I had so many moments where I just felt so alone. I know I'm really part of the church, like a, this beautiful church, but there's so many times that I feel so alone, and yet God, even married to a wonderful husband, I felt so alone, and yet God actually speaks to me in those loneliest and deserted times um, so powerfully, and yeah. A couple more. I wasn't I wasn't deserted, but no one could help me to um, overcome my anxiety and despair. When our um, oldest daughter went off to university, and she had to drive quite a while to get to her. place of boarding in Ballarat and she had a bomby old car with no heating and she used to leave on Sunday afternoon as late as possible so it was in the dark. She had no mobile phone or anything like that and I just spent weeks and months of anxiety about her leaving and going and I remember finally just having to go to God and say, God, I can't carry this anymore but you love her more than even me. And I remember it rolling off my back and it was a physical feeling of rolling away that burden. I never worried again. Mm. Well, about her. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Again, yeah, Tammy. Um, I'm just going to reflect back when um, Riley was first diagnosed with diabetes and the night we got the phone call to say we had to take him to hospital, it was the worst night I could, we could have ever imagined, apart from getting the news, but it was stormy, it was disgusting. And I remember sitting in the car with him, driving to Monash Hospital, thinking, I don't even know where to go. I was just so blown away. And I did know where to go, but it was just the whole thing. And God just took me and took us through that whole night because we didn't know what was ahead of us for the rest of, well, for the rest of our lives now. Um, but God's just carried, carried us through that storm and showed, literally drove the car because I was in such a daze. Um, Mm. But even through that whole night and just talking to Roy and going to the doctors with it all, um, God was just carrying us through. And we did feel alone at one point, but, um, yeah, God was there constantly. And even when Jordan was born nine weeks early, similar thing. Um, You don't understand it until you go through it and the peace that God gives you. So, Mm. yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. It's great. I think we're good. I remember, I, I even, oh, thanks. A lot of free coffees for me. Thank you. Um, I mean, I was just, when I was preparing this week, I just remember um, when Papa died, when, you know, Dad's dad, and um, that's like the closest person for me to like die and pass away. And like, I just look back, and I, even at the time, I noticed like, how much God was actually stood by and strengthened that um, just weeks prior, literally 
the months leading up to that. We didn't know he was going to pass away so suddenly. Um, but we had just been through teaching in our life group on suffering and death. Um, and it was like probably the first teaching that I'd sort of really dived into around that sort of stuff. And it was almost like God had prepared me for that in a weird way. And there was other things where we just saw God's fingerprints at work. And I don't know. I think it's good to remind ourselves that these aren't just stories that we read in a book. Like Joel said before, this is what God is doing here. As we behold him, as we look to him, he transforms, he changes, he's working in our lives. And it's not just in a book, it's not just you know, with big famous people like Kanye. There's my one reference to Kanye West. Um, but like it's actually, it's here. God stands by and strengthens. And for some of us, we can testify that and we can see it. For some of us, we can't see it yet. <laughs> like we sung those songs which Riley had just perfectly picked, I think. Like we might be in the valley still, but we just got to trust and hold on that that is who God is. It's not just what God does. And so that's what we're going to look at a bit more this morning. So let's look at the life of Paul. Because Paul is like, you know, we've been looking at his life. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul gives like a summary of his suffering. Um, I feel like this could be like a Liam Neeson action movie. It's full on. Have a listen. With far greater labours, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was beaten with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger at from false brothers. I was in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposed, and apart from other things, so that's just some of them, there's other things as well, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. It's been through a lot. And yet the very next page, the very next chapter, this is what he says. Three times he has this, he talks about this thorn in his side, the messenger of Satan. And he says, Three times I pleaded with God to take it away. And God, he doesn't say no, but he also doesn't say yes. This is what God says. He said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, Paul knows the struggle. Paul knows the hardship, the anxiety, the, the, the suffering. But he also knows that whether those things change or not, God's grace is sufficient for him. So do we have that same confidence? Do we have that same confidence that, you know what, I don't know if I could go through that. Well, actually, no, I do know I can go through that, not in my own strength, but because God's grace is sufficient for me. If you hear last Sunday night, that's what Frida shared so beautifully, that God's grace was sufficient for her in the moments that she went through. And it's the same for us. So I want to encourage you this week, in your homes, in your life groups, just spend some time just sharing those stories of how God stood by you and strengthened you. Because I feel like we don't do it enough. We don't do it enough to tell the stories of how God has worked. 
Because when you look through the Bible, there's this constant refrain. There's this constant refrain, these stories of God reminding his people. And he says this phrase, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I am always with you. We don't have time to go through them, but there's some of the references there if you want to take a photo and go through them with your life group or something. Um, but, you know, Jacob, God says it to Jacob in his dream when he's running away from his family. God says it to Moses. Moses says it to the people. God says it to Joshua right when they're on the edge of the promised land, about to go in. Um, David says it to Solomon. We know in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And what's interesting about these verses, if you can like just think of some of them, you know, the Joshua one, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. If you think of those verses, there's often this combination between God being with us and then us having no fear. It says, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. And so the reason why we go through all this is how do we go through our difficult days? How do we stay focused on the mission? How do we keep discipling in our struggle? It's by knowing that God is with us. That's all throughout the Bible. I'm not afraid because the Lord your God is with you. This is Paul's experience. I'm sure this is the experience of many of us. As we head into our difficult days, we can go with confidence because the Lord your God is with you. I shall not be afraid. I mean, even just think back to the Great Commission, you know. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. You know, we all know that. It's, you know, as a church, it's what we're on about. But do you know the verses that bracket that commission? I think we've got it there. Matthew 28. Jesus starts and says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. And behold, take note, observe, remember, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And as Jesus finishes his time with his disciples, he just reminds them, look, this, there's a mission. There's something we've got to do. We've got to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. Like, That's what we're on about. But... All authority is mine. I'm the King of Kings. I'm the Lord of Lords. And I am with you always. And if we forget those, we'll never do the mission. We'll never be able to because we'll get overwhelmed at what's around us. We'll get overwhelmed by the situation, overwhelmed by the struggle. My prayer is that his presence with us would give us some confidence to head into our difficult days. That's what my prayer is this morning that would actually head out those doors with a bit of confidence, knowing that God is with us and that all authority is his. It's like when you rock up to your Thursday night soccer game, all right, and Wade Decker's on your team. Like, you're not losing that game. I felt bad for the guys we played the other week. I mean, I was playing in track pants. That's how confident I was. It was freezing. But, you know, we, we were down 3-1 for six minutes. It was the first game. Bit of a struggle. And then we make our sub every six minutes. It's nicely organized and structured. And out of goals comes Todd. Off the bench comes Wade. 
and within four minutes we're winning 5-3. Like, it's just, it's, it's, I felt a, bit, felt a bit bad for him. But the reality is, like, that sort of confidence is what we should have heading to the, not like a cockiness, like, that's a bit different. I would never be like that. But, you know, this confidence that, you know what, I know who's on my team. I know who's on my side. I mean, think back to Romans. We did that whole series of eight chapters where there's this theology of Paul unpacking, this is what God has done. Death has been defeated. Life has been given through his spirit. And he gets to this sort of chapter eight and he says, well, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's this rhetorical question because, well, God is very clearly for us. Just look at what he's done. I've explained it over eight chapters. So if God is for us, who can be against us? need to know that confidence. And here's the thing. It's a matter of faith, not a matter of feeling. Because it doesn't always feel like God is right there by my side. It doesn't always feel like everything is going perfectly to plan. It doesn't always feel like God is near. In fact, the Bible gives plenty of examples where God is not near. Read through the Psalms and it says that, You know, why, God, have you turned your face from me? So it's not that God is, doesn't always feel near, but the truth is that he always is near. And so what are you going to trust? Do you trust your feelings, (laughs) your experience, your circumstance, or do you trust in who God is and what he has said? You know, Martin Luther gives this, he talks about, you know, experience and things, and he, he uses the example of Easter, the Easter weekend, Holy Saturday. If you had asked any of the disciples on the Saturday, is, is Jesus with you? Is God with you? What would they expect? Like, they would be like, of course not. <laughs> we don't even know if what he said is true. He's talked in all these parables. We, he's struggling to understand, and he said something about three days. Like, disciples weren't really that confident on Easter Saturday, most likely. We don't know for sure, but most likely they'd disappeared off to their jobs and back into their boats, and Jesus just died. So it didn't feel like they were winning. It didn't feel like there was victory. They didn't feel like God was near. But behind the scenes, God was doing something far greater than we could know or imagine. So just because it doesn't feel like God is near does not mean that he is not near. And we need to hold on to that and we need to believe that. We need to have confidence in what God has said. This is what Hebrews 13 says. For God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So with confidence we say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I love that. For God has said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So we can confidently say, Lord is my helper. I will not fear. And I think this is something we need to repeat to ourselves often. And just go out the doors and say, you know what? With confidence, this is what God has said. He'll never leave me or forsake me. Therefore, confidently saying, Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Might not always feel like it. And this isn't just like positive self-talk, like I'm going to you know, make myself feel good by these. Like, this is like just biblical faith talk, just reminding yourselves, actually, this is what God has said. So I'm going to say to myself, 
the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. So God stands by us and he strengthens us. Now, it'd be nice if we just left it there. That's like a nice, good, encouraging, yep, God is with me. But the thing is, Paul doesn't stop there. If you look at your Bibles, you see verse 17, there's a key word, and it's a key word that I often circle if I'm reading the Bible. I'll often sort of take note, and it's the phrase, so that. Look what Paul writes. The Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. What if, it's a bit of a scary thought, but what if God strengthens us and stands by us, not just for our own benefit? What if in our struggle, in our difficult days, God stands by us and strengthens us so that the gospel might be fully proclaimed? Which, if you're like me, and you live in this Western culture, that just totally goes against everything that we are taught by our world, where it's all about what feels good for you, what's good for you. It's all about you, 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 me, 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 me. And yet God twists it a little bit and says, you know what? Yeah, look, I'm going to stand by you, and I'm going to strengthen you. It's going to happen. But there's a greater purpose to it, so that the gospel might be revealed. So this is true for us in our own personal difficult days. I mean, we've been talking mainly about that, but we're going to look at the other side of things in a minute. But you know, in your own sort of personal struggle and suffering, this is true, that God will stand by you and strengthen you so that the gospel might go ahead. Don't let your difficult days distract you from the mission of discipleship. Because what if God can speak through that in a unique and special way? C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. There's two ways to that. There's two things where, one, God will speak to you and transform you in your struggle and your suffering more than you know. I mean, that's what Paul talks about in Corinthians, that our, our, our light and momentary afflictions are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory, that God is doing something in our struggle. But I also believe that God will speak in those times in a special and a unique way. You know, the way that Levi Lusco is a pastor in America who talks about uh, this book called Through the Eyes of a Lion, great book if you can get a hold of it but he talks about when his daughter died when she was five and he talks about that experience and how that works as a pastor and all this stuff and and he has this line where he says your pain is your passport your pain is your passport that actually your struggle becomes a story that you can use to proclaim God's goodness and his saving work in a unique and special way it gives you access to people you don't usually have access to gives you a special connection, bond to people that you might not have never met before, but you've been through something similar. And maybe for you this morning, you heard someone else share a little testimony, 
And maybe that's going to be your connection. Maybe that person's going to be able to help you through because you're going through something similar. You're struggling financially or you don't quite have a job or you've got anxiety or whatever. Find that person. Talk to them. Hear their story. It's not just for us. God doesn't just strengthen us for our own benefit, but so that the gospel might go forth. So we need a disciple in our difficult days, our personal difficult days, but also within our cultural difficult days. You know, we've talked a bit about that over the last few weeks, that you know, in our society, it's one that's quite opposed to the gospel, quite opposed to Christianity, and it can often feel difficult to sort of go out and just confidently proclaim the gospel to anyone we see. Uh, I mean, I'm certainly not doing that. I don't know, maybe you guys are, but like we discovered before, some of you are a bit more holy than me. Um, but it's, it can often be a struggle, yeah? Our world seems so opposed and the media and all that. But my prayer is that we would begin to see opportunities and not just see obstacles. We're quick to see the obstacles and the things that shut us down and things that go, oh, no, I can't go there, I can't do that. Can't, cause we... But what if we began to see the opportunities? You know, we, were, we were at a conference with our staff this week on Tuesday. Uh, it was called Faith for the Future, and they talked about, um, basically it was a study on millennials and, um, yeah, I don't know, millennials, there's a lot, lot to know about them. Um, but, you know, basically one of the big things that I took away from it, um, Mark Sayers was one of the main speakers and he sort of talked about how, you know, the life script being offered by the world is actually failing people. You know, our Western society says, look, life is going to be fantastic. You can have the car, the house, the, you can have this and that. And, and he just says, like, it's actually failing to deliver. And particularly young people, but I think all people are beginning to realize, actually, there's more to this life. <laughs> I don't know where to go to find it. And so there's an opportunity there. There's an opportunity in our difficult days where the world is failing to deliver that some people who have hope and joy and peace and love and contentment and have news that is good, maybe that's some of us, maybe there's an opportunity for us to actually share that. To actually go into our world and go, you know what? There's an opportunity here for us to share something. Because the news is good. All throughout the New Testament, it's good news of great joy. So may we go out and share it. You know, I was thinking about the story of Daniel. You know, the book of Daniel, there's young guy Daniel and his three amigos, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And like, just think about their situation for a moment. I mean, they've seen Jerusalem ransacked. The temple destroyed. And that's like, for them, that was the center of all their religion. That's all they knew was, we go to the temple, we worship God, and that's like, nothing will ever change that. God is here, and then it's just destroyed. They get carried off to a foreign land, to Babylon, one of the most like evil empires of the day. They get brought into the king's court, who tries to sort of brainwash them and indoctrinate them in the ways of Babylon and you know, the stories, you know, they eat vegetables, they don't need any of the food, and God works, and they sort of rise the ranks, and it's all going well, and then people manipulate the situations, they, you know, get thrown into the fire, get thrown into the lion's den, God shows up, 
And like, I don't know, I just think about that story. Like there are so many opportunities, so many chances for them to tap out. Like they would have been more than justified to go, you know what, actually it's pretty hard. We're in Babylon, we're getting offered the king's food and wine. Let's just enjoy that. No one's going to know. But no, they continue to stay faithful. It gets to the fiery furnace. I mean, the furnace is so hot that the guards die, the people holding them. That's a good time to like tap out and be like, actually, no. Nah. <laughs> but what do they say? They say, like, even so, we're not, we're not turning from our idol. I think we've got it on the screen, Daniel 3. Even so, like, our God whom we serve, like, he's able to deliver us. We're not, we're, not, we're not bowing to this idol. We're not bowing to this golden image. And even if, even if God does not deliver us, we're not turning. We're not changing. We're not tapping out. There's plenty of difficult days, plenty of struggles, and yet they stay faithful to God. They stay focused on the mission, and they see amazing, incredible things happen. Like the king of Babylon ends up worshipping God as they interpret dreams, as God rescues them from the lion's den. and It's easy to see the, the obstacles, but do we see the opportunities? And what I love in Daniel, and we see the same thing in Paul, is that they just have this confidence. This confidence that even if it doesn't work out, God is going to deliver us. I mean, let's look at verse 18 back in 2 Timothy, where Paul says, you know what? The Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that the gospel might be fully proclaimed. And what happens? So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Maybe a bit of an allusion to Daniel there. Um, or just a reference to the Roman emperor being like the lion. Who knows? But so I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. I mean, just notice the grammar. Grammar, what an exciting thing to talk about on the Sunday sermon. But so I was rescued, past, so the Lord will rescue, future. Because of what God has done, because of his faithfulness, I know what God will do then. God isn't just someone who does salvation or does saving work. God is a savior. God isn't just someone who shows faithfulness. He is faithful. God doesn't just show grace. He is gracious. It's who he is. And so because of who he is, we can actually have confidence knowing what God will do in the future. He's rescued, so he will rescue. And it might not look like this. I might not just sort of escape out of the lion's den without any scratches. Paul had plenty of scratches, plenty of bruises, but he knew that God was going to carry him safely into his kingdom. God will rescue me by bringing me into his kingdom. It might not all work out perfectly. Stories in Daniel, yeah, they're great. Not always our story, but the story of God is that his grace is always sufficient. 
in every season, in every circumstance, in every story, his grace is sufficient and we know that he will take us all the way home. You know, we sing that song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Because He Lives, All Fear Is Gone. Because I know that he holds the future. Life is worth the living just because he lives. In the second verse, greater still the calm assurance that this child can face uncertain days because Christ lives. We can face our uncertain, our difficult days because Christ lives. And I mean, I was going to get a bit cheeky because because he lives is like, yeah. But it's not. It's like, if I could extend it, it's because he lives with us. I can face tomorrow. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives within us. Because God is with us, I will not be afraid. He will never leave. He will never forsake. He will carry me all the way home. So I have this confidence that I will not fear. I will not be shaken. Because this is who God is. He doesn't promise a smooth, easy flight. There'll be some turbulence. There'll be some shakes. There might even be a few wobbles. But he will land the plane and we'll step out and we'll go, ah. What's the song? And then one day I'll cross that river. I'll see the lights of glory and then I'll know that he reigns. We'll step out and we'll see, ah, that's why. That's why it worked like that. That's why it happened like that. Because he's the king of kings. All authority has been given to him. He's the one that rules and reigns. And one day we'll know in full. And so may we look forward to that day. Like Paul writes in verse 6, 7 and 8. We say, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. How's this for confidence? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He's assured. He's confident because he knows. He looks forward. There's, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You know, Timothy's going to go through some hard times. And Paul recognizes that. He says, don't get overwhelmed by what you see here and now. Look ahead to his appearing. Remember that God will bring us safely home into his kingdom. And that he'll stand by us and strengthen us in all of our days. So how do you feel with that? Does that ring true for you? Do you know his presence? Do you know his nearness? Do you know and trust that his grace is sufficient? And do you know that he will bring you safely home? That's my prayer for us, that we'll know that, even if it doesn't feel like it, even if it doesn't seem like it, that I have this trust and assurance in what God has said and in who he is. So I'm going to invite our youth band up and they're going to sing a song and it's it's news it's a bit of an item but I want us to stand and and if you want you can sing along but otherwise just reflect on the words and 
And it's literally based on the Daniel thing of the fiery furnace. Another in the fire. There was just three men who walked in, but there was another one with them. And if you pay attention to the words, it says, there was another in the fire. The second chorus, there is another in the fire. Third chorus, there will be another in the fire. And there's this refrain that says, I know I will never be alone. And I just pray that these words would sort of resonate with the words we sung before and the words that we read here, and that they would sort of just, I guess in a way, sink into our hearts. That we could actually, with a bit of confidence, walk into our coffee time, walk out of these doors, knowing that actually, you know what? I know I will never be alone. It's a simple message, but it's one that can transform our entire lives if we know that he will never leave us, he'll never forsake us. Therefore, I know the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. So why don't you stand and um, let's sing and reflect on these words.